It is now 9 a.m. Stay tuned for Love Talk from The Word with Evelyn Davison and Cindy Vanna. morning. I am Cindy Vaughn. I love talking in the beautiful, blessed KLGO, the Word Studios. That is 99.3 and 98.5 information with inspiration, reminding you that we are streaming live at klgo.net. Also, that you can catch up with Evelyn and I on, uh, on our website at uh, lovetalknetwork.com. You can also tweet me at csvonna. Anyway, Evelyn, uh, good morning, Lady of Love. Good morning, Miss Cindy. Have you had a good week? Oh, well, yeah, I've had an awesome week. You and I, <laughs> I'm sorry for those who are listening. Evelyn and I usually meet up here on the radio now we've touched base several times during the week we always do that we meet up here on saturdays after usually what has been uh some kind of week it doesn't matter what it is it's always a some kind of week now you know my week was uh covered up with me crawling around having vertigo and shevlin's been of course in uh testing mode and and so we're, we continue to come in here uh, a little bit bruised up but uh, excited nonetheless and today we're really excited because we're going to be talking about life in in general we've been in this series Evelyn talking about the promised one the present one and now the perfect one and uh, you know today What better topic under the perfect one Mm -hmm. than to talk about life? Now, I don't know if you think about this very much or or those out there who are listening to us think about it, but, you know, life is perfect. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that our circumstances are perfect. It doesn't mean that you and I are perfect. But it means this, that the handiwork of God, when he comes in as the creator God to uh, form and make us, one, he has a perfect plan for our life, and two, his handiwork is perfect. Even if it isn't apparent on the outside, the truth is 
that life is perfect. It is, Cindy, and we want it to be that. We just don't know how to help it along, I think. It seems like the older uh, a person gets, the uh, harder it is to face some of those life situations. And, and that is our special word today. If, if we had the little bird that came down, you know, in front of the microphone, had the, a word in his mouth like, you know, we grew up with um, on television, uh, the word would be life. We're going to have a special guest that we're going to be talking with today, and it's Carol Everett. And Carol is down, going to be down at the Capitol with us today. We'll be there about till one thirty for the Right to Life. So the word today, Cindy, is life. And this, it reminds me of a little baby girl uh, who was very, very sick in the hospital, and she had lost a lot of blood, and she urgently needed a transfusion. But the doctors really couldn't find anyone that had her rare blood type except for her seven-year-old little brother. And so the doctor took them all, the little boy and the parents in the room, and talked to them and explained. Even to the little boy, he said, your your sister is very sick, and unless we can help her, unless you can help her, she's going to leave us and go to heaven. And he said, will you give your blood for your baby sister so she can live? Well, the little boy just you know, got pale, Cindy. His eyes got filled with tears. And after a few minutes, he whispered to the doctor, yes, sir, I will. And the direct uh, transfusion took place, and the little boy was really nervous. And he watched uh, his blood from his body flow into the tube into his sister. And the the doctor said to him, he said, don't worry, son. It will be over before long in the moment that he said that the little boy began to cry. And it was obvious that this brave little boy had thought he was giving his own life for the baby sister that she could live. But you know, Cindy, that's a beautiful picture of life. That's a beautiful picture of love. And it's obvious to me that this little boy thought he was giving up his own life. And sometimes we don't understand that concept. Uh, But in the same way, Cindy, that's what Christ did. He willingly gave up his life for us. Uh, And we've been talking about the perfect one. He is the perfect one. He came and paid the perfect sacrifice for us. And it's so easy, Cindy, in the everyday details of life for us to lose sight of this. Uh, We really get so accustomed to hearing uh, the story that Jesus came, that, you know, we might have life, that we just take it for granted. And, we don't understand sometimes the magnitude of that sacrifice. But what his death did for us, Cindy, is it accomplished for you and me the perfection that we're talking about today. And and the scripture tells us that so plainly. It says, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends or for a little sister. Mm-hmm. So the fact is Christ's death and his resurrection is the greatest news in the world, Cindy, and that's why we're here every Saturday, is to give this picture of the perfection of God in the person of Jesus Christ that paid that supreme sacrifice for us that we might have life. But today we're going to be going in a little different direction in regard to life because this has been a very special week. Well, absolutely. You know, this week um, there have uh, been rallies in Washington, D.C. as the National 
March for Life took place in Washington, D.C. This weekend, um, today, as a matter of fact, as you have already mentioned and we're going to be mentioning throughout the program, we will uh, go from here down to the Capitol for this afternoon for the uh, both the march and the rally at the Capitol as we are celebrating Sanctity of Life weekend and uh, all that uh, God has done. Now, this is not just... Um, a topic around which we're talking about whether you are uh, you have the politics of life or the uh, the um, understanding of life, but this is a topic around which we want to really wrap our heads around life in in general. You know, Evelyn stood up one time and we were we were at uh, one of our Pregnancy Center banquets, banquets, the Austin Pregnancy Resource Center extravaganza. And Evelyn, in her audacity and in her tenacity and sometimes in her simplicity, stood up and said, you know, Jesus is pro-life. And what she meant by that statement was not just the political stance that Jesus would take in today. Society, but it was this that Jesus is the author of life, just as she as you were saying a few minutes ago, Evelyn, not just only uh, as we've talked about in the perfect one, the Creator God who comes to create life, but then Christ, the perfect one is the is the one who comes as our sacrifice your your mm-hmm. sacrifice, my sacrifice to pay a debt. That we cannot pay for ourselves. So that what? So that you and I do not live death eternal, mm-hmm. but that we live death, uh, excuse me, that we live life eternal. And so this is why I wanted to start off with this idea that life is perfect. It is perfect. And our, our scripture for today is uh, from John 1, 1, and it says, In the beginning was the Word. And we know Jesus was the Word, Cindy, so we established that. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through him. And apart from him, no one thing was created. Life was in him, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. Cindy, if there's a light giver in this nation in regard to this scripture that I know of, it's a lady named Carol Everett. And Carol is a, a very special friend. We've known her a long time. She is the founder of the Heidi Group, and um, uh, we, uh, we're we going to be talking to her today. It uh, Is Carol with us? Yes. Oh, well, hello, Carol. <laughs> We're having just a little bit of techni- technological problems today. I think, yeah, <laughs> as in Evelyn and I, the nuts and bolts have lost our minds. <laughs> Welcome. Okay. Uh, well, thank you. It's good to be with you this morning. Well, it's thank you. It's a beautiful you. day. Well, it is, and you've got a, we've got a great day planned today. Yes, indeed. We're going to have people from all over Texas converge on the Capitol for the Rally for Life, the Walk for Life, and... And today we're going to talk about how abortion is starting to end in Texas and how we're going to save 40,000 babies' lives and mothers' lives from the horror of abortion next year and close abo- watch God close abortion clinics and 
see his power in the, remember this is the 39th anniversary, so that would mean the 40th year, and we know our God does great things in the 40-year cycle, so we're just believing. Mm. Mm. Carol, talk a little bit more about uh, your week. Uh, I know you've just given us a brief summary of what's going on today, but we want to talk about what your week has looked like this week and we're going to we're going to be uh, talking to you more in depth about ending abortion saving 40,000 uh, babies this ne- this next year but tell us a little bit about where you've been and what you've been doing this week because I just happened to catch you on a little nothing little TV show <laughs> called Mike Huckabee this week tell us a little bit about that well, let me start with last Saturday. I went to Dallas for the Dallas Walk for Life, and they had about 15,000 people, the largest march they've ever had. And uh, then I got up early Sunday morning and went to Baltimore to be with the Students for Life, and the Students for Life have a conference every year, and this year it was uh, standing room only, or I should say sitting on the floor room only. They had over 25 youth, uh, all very pro-life, all actively involved, all anxious to end abortion, and, you know, that's just a sign that we're winning because we are the only side having babies and we are raising pro-life babies. Mm. Uh, so that was encouraging. And then that night, as only you hear about all these stories, a, a, a car, as they call it, a town car picked me up and took me to Washington, D.C. to be with the Mike Huckabee Show. And that was just such a blessing because I worked with him years and years ago in his church. And what I remember that, about that is his wife, Janet, took me out for tacos afterwards. But anyway, <laughs> tacos. Uh, tacos, yes. But um, the show was incredible. We arrived. They did our makeup. I was with Rebecca Kiesling, the lady who changed Governor Perry's heart and mind and stand about abortions for rape and incest and um, then went on the show. And when I got on there, let me tell you, frankly, it was late. We didn't have time. Uh, to do what we had planned to do completely, but um, Mike Huckabee is an incredible interviewer, and of course he he's is. friendly, so you don't have to worry. He's friendly. Mm-hmm. He likes us. He's pro-life, mm-hmm. and uh, so we did that little brief thing, and then uh, after the show was over, all the women there wanted pictures with him, so instead of running off, he stayed with us and took pictures until we were all sick of pictures, and Well, you you know, you did a great job, and I want to just reference a little bit about that uh, commentary, that dialogue that you had with Mike, because um, for those of you who may not know uh, Carol's story, she's going to be sharing some of that with you. But your goal in life, Carol, was to be a millionaire. How that? How's that working out for you? <laughs> well, um, I'm a millionaire in eternal things, but not physically. But um, I was going to be a millionaire on the other side of the abortion industry because I w- issue because I was going to sell forty thousand abortions. And while I was in the abortion industry, my commission was twenty five dollars for each abortion. So uh, my goal started out to justify my own abortion, but very quickly it became to be, become a millionaire. And I saw the way through having five abortion clinics surrounding the Dallas-Fort Worth area and um, selling abortions to teenagers so they would continue to use it as a method of birth control throughout their life. And sadly, my goal was three to five abortions from every girl between the ages of 13 and 18. Mm. 
did you sit across from those girls? Were you actually face to face, or were you more the the force behind the clinic? Well, if they had a girl who was difficult to sell, if they had a girl who was having trouble with her decision, I was kind of the hammer. I was the one they brought her to, and I was the one that sat down with her and talked to her about how bad her life would be if she mm-hmm. carried this pregnancy to term, and then, of course, scared her to death, and then we would get her money and push her right on through. So, sadly, I was actively involved in far too many of those 35,000 abortions. How did that change, Carol? What happened? that would make you uh, conscious that life is life? Well, I, um, we were on an expansion role. We had two abortion clinics open with the plan to open three more. But everyone, no one talks about this, but everybody inside the abortion clinic fights, doctors, nurses, counselors, and partners. And I didn't care about everybody else, but I knew if we were going to expand and reach my goal, I needed to stop the fight, infighting with the partners. And so mm-hmm. um, our CPA told us about the business counselor who saw problems and um, he made us agree to meet with him an hour a week to four weeks that's no problem he wouldn't talk about money he was very strange I will tell you that <laughs> and uh, in my world and so we started meeting not in the clinic but we had to go to his office on the other side of Dallas and um, the second time I sat down with him I got to tell you at that point I wanted to know everything about everybody in my world I wanted to be in control and so oh, wow. I started interviewing him, and I really don't know why, but I finally said, are you a preacher? He said, yes, I am. And I said, what in the world are you doing in this situation? And he said, God. Said, mm. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this man is crazy. I'm a Christian. I have a Bible in the top right-hand drawer of my desk. I pray every day. I didn't tell him I prayed none of those women would die and I, because women had died in our clinic, and I prayed that there would be a lot of abortions today. But when I told that man, that I tithed on all that money, and he was not impressed. Mm. My friends, I had a sick feeling in the pit of my stomach that I was in trouble. Mm-hmm. And mm. he went on to explain that he and his deacons had been praying about this for some time. They believed there was someone inside that abortion clinic that God wanted out. They, that person, would be leaving in 30 days. And then I was just excited. I was glad he was going to take my problems away. <laughs> I was going to stay. But then he went on to just lay out perfect plan of salvation through believing in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. So you prayed every day, but you were praying for the abortions, the number of abortions needed. You did not have a personal relationship with Christ Jesus at that point. No, and I don't even think, Cindy, that I prayed in the name of Jesus. I just just said God. Mm. Hey. Tell us a little bit about this, about Rebecca and her impact of what's been going on, her impact with uh, with Rick and, and how her story, how she told her story this last week. Well, um, you know that the Gift of Life was created out of Mike Huckabee's heart to share the truth about the abortion issue and life with presidential candidates. And if you haven't purchased that, please do but um, directly from hit from Huckabee Live. But he found the stories across the nation that had impacted him, and Rebecca Keesling was part of that. 
and when we were we were all invited to go to Iowa before the, the night before the last debate, where they were going to show that to the presidential candidates, and my mother became ill, and I couldn't go at the last minute. But, but really, we, I bet that's a that's a piece of news very few people know about. No, they don't. They don't. But they had this big showing, and of course the candidates came. And here's Rebecca Kiesling, who's there, and here's Rick Perry, our governor, who's there, and he's intently watching this almost an hour long video. And he is just impacted by what Rebecca says. And then after the video is completed, Rebecca shares with him on a one-on-one basis right up, you know, you can't look at her without going, oh, my goodness, rape incest. She's a beautiful young woman. She's very articulate. She shared. He asked questions. And she changed him on the spot. Hmm. What did she say? What was the statement that she made to Governor Rick? That was so in, so impacted his life. Do you remember? No, I, I, I'm not sure if this was it. But one of the statements she said to him is, "You know, look at me. Yes. My, li- my life is worth something. How can you say my life is not yes. worth something?" That's what he and, said. Yes, and so um, anyway, he was just kind of blown away. But I want to go on and say, not all of the presidential candidates were blown away. Yeah. But I think the Lord impacted our government. Well, that's very interesting because I'm going to put you on a spot now. I don't want to be, I'm, I'm your friend, so I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to get in your, on your bad side. But I did want to ask you a question now that you've opened the door to talking about this movie being in front of uh, the presidential candidates. How important is this election for our president to the issue uh, for the president the to the issue of life and and where do you think we're headed in terms of both legislation and or through the courts well thank you for asking that question and you know that's 49 questions in one but I'll yeah. do my best I know sorry about that that's okay. First of all, this election is critical to the issue of life because we currently have a president who is not only standing for abortion, he has it in his health care plan, and he is now today telling even the Catholic hospitals they must dispense birth control, they must talk about abortions, perform abortions, and he is attempting to force people who have been pro-life to be pro-choice. And he is telling the Catholic hospitals if they do not do this, they will not be able to get other monies, such as Medicare and mm-hmm. Medicaid, and the monies that the government actually pays to all hospitals. So he is forcing the issue of abortion on us in a terrible way, and he is forcing it so dramatically that he is going forth with a Catholic faith who has been so strong on this and pushing them. Now, I believe the bishops will push back. This man, I could go on and on with that, but just remember, when you pay for health care, and we will all pay for health care, we would be paying for abortion. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it will be, and that's why Planned Parenthood, you're hearing about all these mega centers that are popping up all over the nation. The one in Houston, Mm -hmm. the one now in Fort Worth, and in several other states, those are just for health care. Those are to take care of women with abortion providing services. Those are not about abortion today. Those are about abortion in the future when the health care plan comes into effect. Mm. And so they're already getting ready for it. I don't know what kind of promises he's made, but the other thing is he's appointing pro-abortion, not pro-choice, pro-abortion judges all over this nation to every place he can. This is an administration that is actively working to further the abortion issue. Now, I want to step back and say one other thing. I worked in the inner city for five years, and what I saw was 
they came in. This class warfare thing we hear today is working in the inner city because people there can't read, can't drive, have never voted, never registered to vote, but they'll buy them a sausage biscuit in the morning, a sandwich at lunch and dinner. There is no moral issue about voting more than once or registering to vote more than once. They will do anything for a sandwich. And, of course, no one in the inner city reports what's going on. We know in Houston, Texas, they found 26,000 people in the inner city illegally registered eight on one vacant lot. And so that who is the answer to that? The mm-hmm. answer are Christians. We are the answer. Now, why should we be concerned? First of all, the God, God of the Bible tells us clearly that the government will be on his, on Jesus' shoulders. And we are his followers. And we are clearly told that we are to be uh, not of the world, but in the world. So we must vote, we must stand up, and we must register others. And I hope that the people that are listening to us today will take this seriously, because in the last election, there were 65 potential Christians who could have voted, and only 17 million voted. My friends, we're letting the world tell us what to do Mm. and tell our children what to do. If you don't think... Obama. Remember all of the things just a couple of years ago when the Obama administration was trying to get sex education into two and four and six year olds? He was mm-hmm. passing out condoms to uh, six year olds. And in the first grade, my friends, his agenda is going to touch each of us. So we as Christians must stand up. Vote. I'm going to ask each of you people listening tonight, today, register 25 of your conservative friends, register them to register 25. Ask them to pull the platforms of both parties off the Internet. Put the Democratic platform, put the Republican platform, line it up with Scripture, and vote accordingly. I believe this election is our last chance to save our country. And God cannot bless a country that so promotes abortion. Carol... Thank you so much for being for us with us today. I, you are such a, a strong love servant of the Lord Jesus out there in the middle of the warfare, and we want to ask our friends, um, our Love Talk friends, to pray for you uh, this week and especially today as you speak. But I want to give you just a couple more minutes. I know you need to get into your meeting. Tell us about how great things have been in Texas in regard to the sonogram. I am so excited about what's happening in Texas. First, we have deepened Planned Parenthood. We have taken, there are several figures out of there. Uh, I believe it's $30 million a year, $60 million a biennium out of their hands, which means they will not be promoting abortion to our children. So that's good. And then it's the most incredible thing. Yes, it has a sonogram. Yes, the abortion is, is supposed to tell her what he sees on there, and he's supposed to offer to let her hear the heartbeat. I don't trust abortionists. They kill babies. They won't go, will not tell the truth. But in that same bill, we have a provision that says he must meet with her. The abortionist is going to do her abortion 24 hours in advance in a private, confidential setting and give her a fully informed consent for the first time in 39 years in Texas. This abortion has to sit face-to-face, and we already know that women are getting muddled pictures of the sonogram, going to pregnancy centers to get another one, getting a true picture, and choosing is an opportunity to save those 40,000 babies to see abortion clinics closed because the business is gone. And my friends, Evelyn, Cindy, we can't do it without people praying. Mm-hmm. So I ask that people would pray with us, that God will open the eyes of those women walking through the doors, and that they will choose life and run to the nearest pregnancy. Well, thank you, Carol. We just... 
really agree with uh, where it is that you are in your life right now and what God is doing. And I get so emotional about this because I do believe that Jesus himself is pro-life. And he, that is what he's called us to, not to, to live in a world of darkness, but to be that light that would shine forth on a hill so that people who do not know him would come to know him personally and have the life that he has ordained for us. So thank you, my friend. We'll see you in a couple of hours at the Capitol. And uh, in the meantime, be blessed. Thank you. Love y'all. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, this has been an, uh, an incredible moment mm-hmm. uh, for us as we've been talking to um, one of our most courageous friends. When, yes. I, when I think of um, the Christians on the front line, when I think of uh, those of our mm. Christian forefathers and mothers who stood before uh, a Roman Empire in the midst of persecution and, and fiery death and stood strong for the name mm. of Jesus, I often have a picture of our dear friend's uh, Carol's face uh, as she, trust me, as she stands in front of people who would like to... Um, to take her out, so to Erase speak. Erase her. That's right. So we uh, we bless her and we thank her for her time. Evelyn, we are going to take a break. We're going to come back and we're going to continue to talk about Life is Perfect. This is Love Talk on the Word. Good morning, I am Cindy Vanna, talking in the beautiful, blessed KLGO, the Word Studios. That is 99.3 and 98.5. Information with inspiration reminding you that we are streaming live at klgo.net. You can also catch up with Evelyn and I at lovetalknetwork.com. Evelyn, in our first segment, we had a long interview. What a privilege Mm -hmm. with... um, our friend and and national hero for uh, the the right to life movement uh, here in the nation, not just Texas, oh, not no. just Austin, uh, but in the nation, Carol Everett from Heidi Group, and of course she gave she's a, just a, a fountain of information about mm-hmm. what's really going on both in the abortion industry. But what's also going on in in legislation, and but I want us to come back. And she mentioned something in that first segment about you know voting and some of the the voter fraud that may be taking place in the inner city. And because we were talking about how important this upcoming election is, but even aside from the issue of voting, one of the things that you and I know. And certainly as Mike Huckabee has come out to talk so strongly and to use the word both genocide and holocaust, referencing in this nation, and we shouldn't just limit it to this nation because let's let's be clear about this. We're exporters. That's right. The United States of America, as much as we like to invoke the name of God and ask, you know, and say, God bless America, we are the major exporter of abortion 
to the world. Mm-hmm. But he, I want to talk a minute about where we are in this nation because not only are lives in the womb in peril in this nation because the law has told women that there are no repercussions or no consequences and that it is a choice for themselves. But let's make no mistake about the origins of abortion, who abortion targets, and let's, let's get that on the table because, in fact, the likelihood of a woman who's going to have abortion is geometric and exponential based upon her color mm-hmm. and based upon her economic conditions. And in this country, the primary target for abortion are black women mm-hmm. of poor socioeconomic conditions. In other words, the thought being that your life is already in ruins mm-hmm. and your life will be ruined And as a result, we have a whole generation in America of African-American children who are no longer with us. Talk about that for a moment, and let's talk about some of the origins of that coming out of the early anthropologist (laughs) and early women's uh, rights movement having to do with Margaret Sanger. Well, Margaret Sanger, uh, Cindy, was uh, born in 1980, I mean, 1883, and it was in a time when women didn't have a voice much. And she started out with a worthy goal, but it was not long before she lost that passion and vision for life and really moved into what we call the arena of darkness and the arena of death. And... um, There are a lot of things that are said about her, but I did want to read one quote that she made herself. It says, The most merciful thing that a large family does to one of its infant members is to kill it. The most merciful thing. That a large family. Yeah. A large family can do. And when you look at her life... Uh, the goal that she had was to help women find a voice, help women find a place in their life. But uh, it was not long she picked up a racial hatred. And not only a hatred, but a, a passion and a ministry for just improving what Adolf Hitler started out to proclaim when World War uh, II started. Uh, it was that we would get to the point that we would make everybody perfect, and get them all refined so that we can have a better world. Well, I think that there are going to be those who are listening today, they're going to think, they're going to be shocked, one. They're going to think, well, you ladies are talking in an extreme fashion. But let's, let's get down to this. What is more extreme than ending life? And yet, we're a nation that's become passive to some degree on this issue. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's important for us to trace these roots back to this popular Mm -hmm. idea in um, in the the 40s and 50s and 60s of zero population uh, growth and mm-hmm. uh, this this thing of looking at uh, at the turn of the century at the slums in America, large families and immigrants and and 
ignorance and the inability of a system to accommodate where then comes forth from these very people at the roots of planned parenthood at the roots of this of this moment of this movement mm-hmm. those that believed that there should be limits placed on birth and population especially for those of colors especially for those with limited education, especially for those limited um, economics. In other words, an elite portion of this society feeling like that they can make better decisions for people with regarding life and death than that individual can make for themselves. Well, it's true, Cindy. And you know, it, with every generation, there comes a hero for life. Uh, you know, we look back at Abraham Lincoln. He was a great hero for life uh, because he wanted to make it. Uh, he wanted us to have a nation that was at one with each other. But the blackgenocide.org gives some really powerful statements in regard to the life of uh, Margaret Sanger and what her original goal was, what it turned out to be, and how Satan himself used her. And one of the statements that's on that website is the most dangerous place for an African-American woman, uh, African-American to be, is in the womb of their African-American mother. Now, you know, she targeted blacks that was that was her target but her her target got bigger and bigger her bullseye in that it included infirm people but you know Cindy in this city of Austin probably as many abortions take place in one part of our city that is the high paid highly educated uh, population there are as many Abortions in this particular community as there are in the African-American community in the Austin area. And we don't understand that. But it comes back to, to a statement that we made by Ruth Ginsburg. She said, frankly, I had thought at the time Roe was decided. We're talking about Roe versus Wade. There was a concern about population growth and particularly growth in populations that we don't want to see too many of. Now that cha- that has changed. That 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 paradigm has changed because it now become uh, a widespread problem in this nation. And so it's not just uh, those that are poor and hungry that that are having difficulty with making a life for their families, but it is also those that want to limit the influence or, that their children might have in a society coming forward. So, Cindy, as we talk about this today, there is a lot of good news in the area of life. There is a lot of good news about from people that, that have a voice, that have a platform. And I can tell you, uh, I was so thrilled this week to watch Mike Huckabee's show, as you mentioned you did, to see the clip of Governor Rick Perry saying, I always have been for life. I believe in life. But I did have an exception. But because of Rebecca, I now see that I was wrong in this given area. Now, I'm paraphrasing him, but that's what he said. He said, I am for life for any reason. 
all life. So we, we see a lot of good things happening in our nation in this regard. The sonogram bill that Texas has uh, passed, even the limitation of funds for Planned Parenthood, a lot of wonderful things are going on. Well, before we go out on our break, uh, because we, we've had some other folks texting us and calling in on this, on this incredibly, incredibly, um, controversial subject, not, not meaning abortion, but meaning this issue of race purification having to do with black genocide. I just want to read a quote that from Margaret Sanger herself mm-hmm. that says, we should hire, and now this is a quote, this is not me speaking, we should hire three or four colored ministers, preferably from with social service backgrounds and with engaging personalities. The most successful educational approach to the Negro is through a religious re- appeal. We don't want the word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population, and the minister is the man who can straighten out that idea if it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious mm-hmm. population. In other words, those who would stand up and say something other than that. Now, Evelyn, this is the most extremist kind of conversation imaginable, not even the kind of conversation that we would think could take place on the shores of this nation, who we like to call ourselves the city on a shining hill. But the truth of the matter is we've been engaged in a social warfare for the lives of the next generation, and the lives of those generations that come through our immigrant families, through our families that have learned the value of struggle and the value of family, and it is those lives that we are particularly talking about right now, preserving in this country. It is time for us to take our break. We're going to come back, and we're going to we're going to talk about <laughs> life yes. is perfect. This is love talk on the word. Good morning. I am Cindy Vaughn. I love talking in the beautiful blast KLGO, the word studios. That is 99.3 and 98.5. Information with inspiration reminding you that we are streaming live at klgo.net. And you can also catch up with Evelyn and I at lovetalknetwork.com. Evelyn, we're in the studio today and we have talked to two, about two. We've talked with one and about another. Two leading voices amongst women. Mm -hmm. You know, there has been in our lifetime, yours and mine, a great movement amongst women to have our voices heard Mm -hmm. and to um, have a say in culture. And yet much of the result of that movement has been that we have had um, a great collision in uh, the profiles of courage amongst women. And never have I seen it more clearly than uh, this comment, we, commentary we were making about Margaret Sanger, who is listed as one of the great women of influence in our country in previous centuries, 
as being uh, a, a voice to be reckoned with, you know, of being about life. And then we had Carol Everett come on who began her life as a messenger of death who now fights daily to preserve the life. And the goal is next year to be to preserve the life of 40,000 children. And yet we read some of the almost inconceivable statements that have come from Margaret Sanger with with regard, quotes such as the human weed, mm-hmm. uh, as creating a race of thoroughbreds, as a requiring couples to submit an application as to whether they can have a child or not. These things, although seem um, outrageous to us, we have to know have gotten expressed and gotten indoctrinated and, and, and a foundation laid in a way that we might not connect all the dots socially, but that are certainly there because right now we've, we're looking at um, upwards of 30 million mm-hmm. babies in our lifetime, right. Evelyn, that are no longer here. Uh, we'll see over 300,000 abortions performed at Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. um, in in the next in the upcoming years. There were 1.2 million performed in 2008. Now that has dropped somewhat. But we want to move from that because the the headline we were putting out there today is that life is perfect. Life is perfect. And we've made a dramatic contrast to uh, society is perfect, a dramatic contrast to man is perfect or man's ideas are perfect. But let's move to this this topic that we have been in which is Jesus, the perfect one. And Evelyn, help us here. Let's talk about the perfect life in Christ Jesus. Well, the perfect life in Christ Jesus, Cindy, was a purchased life. Uh, When Jesus came, he said, I've come that you might have life and that it might be everlasting. That's why he said, I came. Now, God said, that he sent Jesus because God is love. Uh, it's it's so plain in John three sixteen for God so loved the world and he was in everything that he made. He's not talking just about people. He's talking about the creation that we talked about three or four weeks ago. God's creation is perfect. It is balanced to where we have everything we need, everything we know what we want, but everything we need. So if his creation is perfect. He is perfect. Jesus paid the perfect sacrifice. Then as we come to know him in personal relationship, and there is a relationship in the godly. There's a relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Those are different manifestations of who God is, but there is relationship between them. And last week, we talked about the little boy his grandmother had prayed with him at nighttime and how he had just prayed and prayed and asked and asked and asked. And then after they got through praying, uh, he, the grandmother said to him, that's a lot of stuff for God to do. And the little boy said, yeah, but he's going to have to do it with his left hand. I had some calls about that this week. He, it, whatever God does, he only has one hand. He'll do it with his left hand. And she asked him, how do you know that? 
He said, because the the word says, the, the Sunday school teacher said that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. So he's sitting on God's right hand. He doesn't have two hands to work with. The concept that we have about life, Cindy, is this. It is what we make it. If we start out in life, you know, we're taught to set goals, and we're going to be talking about goals next week. We set goals of what it is that we think God wants us to do with the life that he's created. But God has a goal for us, and that goal is to be holy, to be righteous. And that's what the word holy means, is to be righteous. That means rightly related to, to the God that we know that created. And that is Jesus Christ, as we read from John 1, 1 today. If we know that Jesus' life, Jesus came that we might have perfect life. That life is not the daily routines that we live every day in this life. It's not in this body that we fight with all the time, try to keep it patched up. I kid my doctor all the time and says, Sid, you got to get another patch. You know, it's just patch, patch, patch when you get older. But the, the thing about it is this. The life that is perfect is that life that is lived under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And it is available, Cindy. It's not something that Margaret Hanks, uh, Sanger. Sanger would hand out. It is a life that Jesus Christ gives. And this is what he said about it from John 10, 10. I have come that you might have life, life everlasting. And so how we live this life has to be around the issue of life. And that's why we wanted so desperately to do the program that we've done today because you and I are both pro-life. Jesus is pro-life. Well, you know, um, I, I certainly grew up under the, the threat of not, of not being, uh, alive, but let's, let's, let's wrap this up a little bit within the word of God. I, I want to just paraphrase 1 Corinthians 3. Especially as you contemplate where do you stand on life? Mm-hmm. What is it that you're doing to promote life? Where will you be when you are called to be counted for life? Where will you stand when you are called to account for mm-hmm. life? And here's what the Word of God says, says that our maturity is not determined by the people we follow, mm-hmm. but the evidence of the Word wrapped up in our lives made active in our lives so when we're asking the question who what ideology should i follow let's make sure that you know that those words of that person fall in line mm-hmm. with the word of god and it goes from from uh, sunday school teacher cindy all the way to the president of the united states that we is- have to test the word according to to the life word that Jesus gives. That's right. The other one is, is God is the author and finisher of our faith, and we are the vessels, the connections which God chooses to work through here on earth. Are you that connector mm-hmm. that he can work through to be an advocate for life? And even if you've had one opinion, 
Are you willing to hear God's voice that you might be changed? That's exactly what our point is today, Cindy, when we were talking about the gift of life, this this film that people can order, and they can go to MikeHuckabee.com, I think, and, and order it. Uh, that's what happened in Rick Perry's life. Governor Perry was face-to-face with part of the knowledge or the determination or the opinion that he had about life when he met Jennifer, uh, Rebecca. And Rebecca said to him, was not my life not worth something? The other one is, is that God, not man, defines what is eternal and worthy of glory, so our effort should be for his glory. We do not live our life in these times for our own glory or to fulfill our own needs. We live to give glory to God. Ask yourself this question, question, does my stand on life give glory to God? God. Mm -hmm. The other one is, is the way to live out these truths is not to isolate ourselves from others, but to encourage correction and to be a servant of love. That would be out of Proverbs 18. Another word out of Corinthians is God's word tells us to follow the examples of others, other believers and pursue Christ. Mm -hmm. And And most of all, Cindy, we need to remember that Christ in us in us the hope of glory and we are the reflection of his light his love and his word that the world so desperately needs that's why we're alive today cindy we were born for such a time as this we are on love parade before a world that does not understand what true life is and what perfect life in jesus christ is evelyn i am so grateful for your life I'm grateful for the life of Christ in you. I'm grateful for the lives of those around me that reflect the light of Christ. You and I are committed to pray and ask God to forgive our nation for those lives that we will never know because we have in many ways forsaken the perfect one and forsaken the knowledge that life is perfect. Well, Sydney, we'll be at the Capitol. We'll start broadcasting about 2 o'clock. Come on down, join us at the rally, or go down for the walk. This is Love Talk on the Word. Love Talk has been brought to you by The Word 99.3 and 98.5 in Austin, as well as Love Talk's partnering sponsors, Ellison Salazar, Casa Mechanical Services, Hill Country Landscape, Ray Gardner Triad Ministries, First Baptist Church Pflugerville, and The Good News Journal.